0: Welcome back to the podcast, Love, Transform, Restore. This is your host, Charles Prince, minister of the Lyman Church of Christ in Lyman, Colorado.
1: I stand before the crowd listening
0: for my name. They shall be crucified. This man is who to blame. Knowing what I deserve. They free me from my chains I turn to see His wretched face I did not know it was His grace If you free me from the chains If you. you took away my my hey all again for tuning into this podcast. I appreciate the um loyalty um I don't know if that's the right word, but been appreciating everyone that's been tuning in and the feedback that I have been getting from this podcast. And again, if you haven't not had the chance to, I encourage you to check out the Facebook page. Go there and like it. And um, be sure to keep an eye on it for updates. Uh, it's a relatively new page. And the way Facebook's working now, you probably won't see much that I post. So, what I've been doing, at least for today, I've reshared what I've posted on the Facebook page to my personal page in the hopes to get a little more circulation. And I'm hoping and praying that um, start to get in the newsfeed a little better. Um, if you could, for those that are listening to this podcast, could let me know if the posts are showing up in your newsfeed at all. Uh, let me know if not. I think you can get go on to the Facebook page and select a setting that will allow you to see when we post an information that I will have uh, put out in regards to the podcast or as you've seen for those that have already liked the Facebook page, we've been posting information such as last week we had made mention of some other podcasts and some Christian-owned businesses and we posted a link to most of those or some contact information for Uh, many of those individuals that we had mentioned. So if you haven't done so, check that out. We mentioned a couple of podcasts for you to check out and a couple of Christian businesses that offer their services either online or in a certain region of the country. So please keep that in mind. And we are back again today and we're going to be concluding our mini series looking at passages and topics that are commonly misunderstood misconceived and we're going to be focusing today not entirely on this verse but we're going to be focusing on the concept from this verse and we've mentioned this passage including this verse number of times out of romans chapter 3 romans chapter 3 and if you want to turn there we're going to look at verse number 23 romans 3 23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I have not seen, at least to my knowledge, anyone take this verse out of context. And in its context, it is referencing the entire letter of Romans and referencing the Jews and how they had thought they were holier than the Gentiles. And some of those attitudes probably had transferred over from the Jews that were But prior to their baptism, becoming Christians, and now they have uh, probably carried on those same attitudes that they're still better than the Gentile brethren, those who were not Jews prior to becoming members of the church. And so even within that context, and a lot of times we'll reference this verse to recognize the shortcomings of man. The verse is usually In its context, or even if we don't mention the whole context, it's true of us. Uh, We all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. Now, you might be asking, why is it that I am mentioning this particular verse if it's not really misconceived? Well, what's misconceived is the idea that some sins are unforgivable and some are. And what I mean by that, I'm talking about in the human nature of things. For instance, there are some sins that in some individuals have done that in many people's eyes, and I will even say that I've been guilty of this, thinking that they are not deserving of the grace, the glory, the mercy of God. They're not deserving of that grace and that mercy. They don't deserve that forgiveness. And that... Um, We think that there is no way they can be cleansed of that sin. We might think that the blood of Christ cleanses all sin, but we think for those sins, those more heinous crimes, things that have done, we just at times subconsciously think that even though they have done that, it will always stick with them. Now, is it true that some sins come with consequences that you have to pay for for the rest of your life? Definitely. And we are not ignoring that. However in the church, we have to accept that if someone has put on Christ in baptism, of course, going through the steps that we mentioned a couple podcasts ago and recognizing all of those steps being equally important, all representing a piece of uh, salvation and how we achieve that salvation, the person goes through those steps, then we have to accept him or her as a brother or sister in Christ. It is not uncommon for Christians to hold sin over people's heads. And I'm talking about sins that have been repented of, or at least well, from what we can see, have been repented of. So often, I will hear Christians that will say, Well, I treat this brother or sister this way or that way because I do not trust that they have changed. And I want to clarify with... What's right and what's wrong? Is there a difference in someone who has committed a particular sin and you and me as Christians doing our best to keep them away from certain temptations? Almost definitely. We have that responsibility. We have that responsibility for one another. But I do know some that even if there is no evidence to see that They are still committing the sins that they have repented of. They will treat them still as if they are outside of the body of Christ or even worse than those outside of the body of Christ. Because at least with those outside the body of Christ and they don't know their past, they'll at least get the benefit of the doubt. But a lot of times you'll see that Christians will not get that same benefit of the doubt from someone who has came from something heinous, especially... Someone that might have gotten out of prison for whatever reason, and they've turned their life around and came to Christ, they still have that cloud that's looming over them. And we're going to be looking at some verses to realize that sin is not just something to be taken lightly, but we must realize God's attitude towards sin and realize that God sees sin the way that he sees it and not the way we do. The first passage we're going to look at is that 1 John chapter 1 if you want to turn to your bibles or use your phone whichever um if you're listening on your phone probably well you could probably have it in the background while turning uh, um, switching to your bible app but in first john chapter 1 we're going to look at verses 8 through 10. if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is a very important passage because so often when the Christians I'm referring to, and don't even have to be Christians, even those outside of Christ might call into question someone who's got a heinous or very crazy past and say, wait a minute, you did what? You're a Christian now? There is no way you are a Christian. And the reason I wanted to point to uh, uh, start off with Romans 3, 23, and then come over to First John 1, 8 through 10, because I want to get the idea in our minds that we all have fallen short. Have we all done the same sins? No. We as humans, do we categorize sin? We do it all the time. And a lot of times we do it subconsciously. We may not physically say, oh, this sin is worse than the other. But sometimes our reactions to someone's past actions or even sometimes current actions gives us an indication that maybe we think that that particular sin is 10 times worse than a sin that we could ever commit but what's interesting here is that when you look at Romans 3 23 and 1 John 8 through 10 and the other verses we look at tonight, one thing you find intriguing is that when the Holy Spirit through um inspiration of these writers, I mean these I think I got that turnaround, these authors of these letters and these um books through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they you notice that it talks about us all sin that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Verse eight, verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You know, it's intriguing. You don't see it talk about only certain of sins. You know, it just mentions sin as sin, transgression or breaking of the law, in particular, God's law. And This is not to say that we're going to do this perfectly, that it's not easy to look through sin or to look at sin through the lenses or the eyes of God, because God sees sin, any sin as transgression of the law and uh, drive that point home. Um, we're not. You don't have to turn to this verse if you don't have to. If you don't want to. But in Revelation twenty-one and verse eight, it talks about a number of individuals that were going to be facing that second death there. But you notice there, while it's listing all the sins, at the end there it says, "And all liars." I'm not picking on liars tonight, but what's intriguing is why use the term "all liars." And I think that phrase is very um it is very uh, interesting to have there because i think it indicates human nature because even though this is talking about liars we can use that to reference sin because what do we do with lies cuz we do the, what we do with lies is the same thing we do with sin we might say a little white lie or that lie did not hurt anybody but the only time that Lies get called out or lies are blown up or maybe not blown up is the right word, but are called to attention to everybody. Is the fact when a lie is so big, or if it hurts a lot of people, or if the deception had caused a loss of life, or loss of job, or any or just any circumstance that comes in the life that comes in our life from dealing with the issues of lying and deception? And we'll say, Oh man, that those are horrible lies, those were bad lies, but it's intriguing that the Holy Spirit chose. The wording, wanted John to use the wording all liars, giving indication that regardless of how small or how big the lie is or in someone who constantly tells small white lies is no better than someone who constantly tells big lies in our mind. And the same thing with sin. Certain things we look at as bigger than others and that some sins are unforgivable and some are not. But that's the thing about the grace of God is that he is willing to forgive anyone who is willing to repent. You know, Acts 17:30, we covered this verse on this podcast before, and that verse says God commands all men, all men. That means the entirety of mankind to repent. So that Covering of all mankind means all kinds of sins need to be repented of. God expects change from all of us. And not only does God expect change from all of us, but that also means that we should not underestimate the power of God's word to change hearts. So often we will say, well, someone who's done a particular sin, they will never change. And do not get me wrong. There's a difference between trying to make sure someone stays out of temptation from doing that sin versus saying there's no hope for this person. They cannot change. They will always have that lust. They will always have that desire. They cannot change. And in human wisdom, we think that and we embrace that idea. However, we must realize that God's word is so powerful that it can change even the hearts of those that we think cannot be changed. And we need to be careful in how we interpret God's word and how we um, pass judgment as if we are God. I have heard people will say, well, this person has committed these a horrendous sins. God will never forgive them. That is one of the most blasphemous things we can say because God will forgive that person if they repent. Now it's one thing to say God will never forgive that person unless they repent and they come to Christ. That's one thing, but to say that there is nothing they can do to receive forgiveness from God is not only unscriptural, but it we are What we are doing is we are assuming God's place and thinking that we can pass his judgments. We don't even come close to God. So what makes us think that we can pass those particular judgments on an individual, especially if this is someone who is willing to repent? And I want to continue to look at the idea of sin here. Staying in the letter of first John, we're going to go over to chapter three, chapter three of first John, and we're going to look at verse eight. First John three and verse eight. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So we see that. Sinning is of the devil. It's his work. And the son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. So we see that Christ has arisen. He has defeated death. He has overcame all of that. So why is it that we don't trust that saving power of the blood to do the same for every person that we can think of? You know, Christ died for all. It's easy to say that he died for people like me and you. It's not easy to say that um, that Christ died for individuals such as Adolf Hitler or Joseph Stalin or Mao Zedong in China or any other mass murderer and individuals that committed numerous atrocities can think of. It's easy to say, oh, man, um, I might have. I'm bad, but I don't think I was as bad as some of these individuals that were, uh, you know, these dictators and these people that have killed millions or even going back to Roman days and the Caesars. And the stuff that they did to their own citizens, to those around them, and the stuff that they did to people, regardless of age, it's sickening and it's really disheartening when you see it. And when you see it in the history books. However, Christ died for those people too. It's hard to think that because we have set up a culture to believe that the church is filled with individuals that, okay, yeah, we fall, we mess up, but the sins we do are not severe. So if we mess up, it's not. bad and uh, that's the thing that's bad though because with us creating that culture we have incidentally made people that have committed horrible crimes to feel like that they have no place in the church when they need christ probably more than we do and this is not to say that there's a um you know that's not to say that One is more deserving than the other because none of us are deserving of what Christ has done on our behalf, what God has offered up on our behalf. However, there are some individuals that really crave Jesus Christ and his gospel and his message, his commands, the relationship they want to have with him the embracing of the grace and the mercy of God. They want to embrace all that, but at times we have might have created this culture that we are perfect and not realizing that we are not perfect. We strive for that perfection. Over in chapter one that we just left, verses five through eight, talks about that cleansing of the blood for those that are walking in the light. And we forget at times that, that when we think about those who are sinning, those who are making a practice of sinning is of the devil. And the reason why I wanted to bring up this verse is not only to mention that, you know, Christ is strong enough and powerful enough to to destroy the works of the devil. But I also wanted to mention, too, that we have to be careful when we look at bigger sins, because one thing I have noticed And this is not just coming from looking at various people. I have done this myself. When we look at sins or when we call sins, oh, that's worse than anything I've done or worse than anything I've seen anyone else do. If we're not careful, we can subconsciously accept what we call the small sins in our lives to continue. We can accept, I want to mention that again, if we're not careful, we can subconsciously accept the smaller sins as okay and think, you know what, I just told a lie here and there or, you know, I might've stole a little bit here and there from this, uh, from this particular person. He didn't need the, she didn't need the money, but this person, you know, he committed murder and this person, he did worse than murder and everything. And it's like, so I don't think what I did was that bad or and whatnot. And it's like, I just gossip, you know, gossip can be bad, but at least I didn't do what this individual, what this person did in this past. And we gotta be careful with that because as I mentioned, that can subconsciously make us think that those small sins are okay. And we must realize that whoever makes a practice of sinning, and again, this doesn't say those who make a practice of big sins or small sins, but those who make a practice of transgression or breaking of the law of God. So we gotta be careful when we, you know, call out sin. And this is not to say we don't call out sin. We have that responsibility to call out sin. But a lot of times we forget that over in Matthew chapter seven, which uh, we did a podcast a little bit talking about Matthew seven verses one through six and how a lot of people take that judge, not that you not, that you be not judged in verse one of chapter seven there. But a lot of times we have to, we forget too that in verses three, five, you know, we got to take the spec. We got to take the log out of our own eye before, you know, calling on someone else's sin. And so that's, we got to be careful with that. And and not to say that, uh, you know, we're going to be perfect at that, but we still have responsibility. The responsibility to call out sin, but if you call out sin, but minimize yours, then we got a problem, and if I ever minimize my sin, but think someone else is much more bigger than mine's, then I must realize that, one, that I have the responsibility to make sure I'm not practicing any sin, and two, I need, if I'm, you know, I get, if I get too busy focusing on him or her. Then, and if I lose focus on me, well, that person can repent, can change their lives around and I can still focus on their past and be like, you know what they did in their past and still ignore my sin. Guess what's going to happen on day of judgment? That person who, if they had stayed faithful and they have, um, stayed true to God and if they messed up, but they've asked for repentance, they've asked for forgiveness, I mean, asked for forgiveness, they repented of it and me ignoring my small, quote-unquote, small sin, I'm going to be the one in danger on the day of judgment, not the individual that has a past that in human terms might be worse than mine. So in keeping that in mind, let's continue to look at 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 13, continuing to look in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation sorry about that. no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You know when you think about God providing a way of escape to temptation, you ever thought about the fact that our brothers and sisters in Christ you know can play a big part in that again, creating that culture within the church. So if someone is going through or struggling with a sin, especially if something that is tempting them bad, that might've affected their past, we should have that culture in the church, that environment in the church where they can feel comfortable to come to a member they trust or group of members they trust and say, listen, I'm struggling. I need help. Pray for me. Let, you know, we can pray for them. We can study with them. You know." members of the church being that help of escaping that temptation and providing that way of, you know, that way of escape for that. And I know God provides other ways too. And through his providence, he provides quite a bit, I believe. However, we must realize that the church has a responsibility to help those escape temptation, not to ignore a person's temptations or to downplay it or to, you know, or, In some cases, I know some brethren who will not help a brother who might even be begging for help just so they can see them get in trouble. So they don't have to have them in their presence anymore. And which that's one of the most sinful things we can do because the church is called to be like Christ and Christ. Never did anything like this. So, for us to do that, not only are we violating the character of Christ as Christians, but we are essentially have no longer um, acting like a family, but now acting as judge and acting as if we have the authority to decide who is and who isn't in the church. That is not for us to do, Acts 2:47 makes it clear that it's the Lord that adds, not us. We don't have that choice to make. We don't have that right to deny someone that they are in the church, especially if they have done everything scripture has taught in order to be part of the church, to receive that salvation. We have no right to, to say, oh, well, that's denied because this person is, uh, you know, he's a worse sinner than me. Staying in scripture, continuing to come back to the scripture, turn me to James chapter 4 and verse 7. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we have a responsibility to submit to God. And again, just as we looked at in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 about God providing that way of escape and helping our brothers and sisters with their temptations, you know, we need to help each other submit to God, to get closer to God, because we're stronger in numbers, stronger in numbers. And Satan is going to attack the weakest one first, or the one that's by himself more than numbers. Not to say Satan won't try numbers. Satan will try anything. But there is strength in numbers. So keep that in mind. And we're also going to look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 31 to 38. Jesus talking to his disciples. And he mentioned something. He makes a comparison with a question... Um, Not so much a question, yeah, a question that they ask. So starting at verse 31 of John 8. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And which uh, my mistake there, I say he was speaking to his disciples. Um, he was speaking to the Jews there and he wanted to get the point across because um, one is interesting how memories are short because they were enslaved. You know, they were enslaved in Egypt and not only that, but they were brought into captivity by the Babylonians. And so, you know, it kind of seems interesting that they seem to forget that they were, in fact, enslaved. However, He's making a point here that, yeah, you're the house of Abraham, but, you know, you're a slave to sin. Those who practice sin, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And again, that theme is common. It's not saying those that practices certain sins, those that practice small sins, those that practice medium sins, those that practice big sins, those who practice. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And Christ has set us free from that slavery. However, even though Christ has set us free, we need to not be guilty of trying to put those chains back on the people who have come to Christ. Because guess what? If we do that and if they fall back, into the world because we have not done our jobs and encouraging and upbuilding and in encouraging one another, the good works as we reference many times out of Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Guess what? We're going to have to answer for that on the judgment because we are causing a brother or sister to stumble. So we got to be careful in how we, um, handle situations. And, and we got to be careful with our thoughts because guess what? We're human. So when you hear of a brother or sister in Christ and you hear their past, it's human to have immediate first thoughts about what you think about this person. However, that should be the extent of it. First thoughts. You should think to yourself, this is a brother or sister in Christ. They need my help. They need my prayers, they need my encouragement, they need my strength. Because once we start playing the game of who deserves God's forgiveness or not, we are in sin. And so we gotta so we got to recognize that even though we might see sin differently than God does, and we should strive to see sin the way God sees it, but We're human. We're going to see sin way differently than God usually does. But we must realize that even if someone has just the absolute worst past in the world, guess what? They're still your brother and sister in Christ. And you have to look at them like that. And that's the thing that's challenging about Christianity. Christianity isn't easy because when you're seeing things as a Christian being Christ-like, you have to look at it through Christ's eyes. So that's a very, very uh, interesting uh, and very hard topic to wrap our minds around because we're so used to automatically thinking that a person is deserving of this this person deserves the death penalty this person deserves this and and me my and myself included I never really think the thought that I should have. I hope this person comes to Christ. I hope this person sees what I see when I look in scripture when I look to God when I look to Christ and that's a very important thing where you have to realize. That we have that responsibility to make sure that even the vowelist of sinners can have that opportunity to either see in seeing our lives or hearing the true gospel from us. Um, as we usually do as we conclude these podcasts, if you're listening to this and perhaps you got a past that you might be thinking, because I've heard, I hear this a lot. I've had people tell me all the time. The church building will crumble if I came in. I hear that a lot. Or they'll say, God will not accept me. Well, let me tell you something. God will accept anyone who comes to him. He will accept anyone that comes to him. You know how beautiful that is? That he is willing to do that for me? And for you? That... If we come to him, if we obey him, you know, that is just, it's just mind-boggling to think that with God, we have the opportunity to be with Christ. I mean, I'm sorry, through Christ, we have the opportunity to be with God. I don't know why I'm making all these uh, switch arounds tonight, <laughs> but... Through Christ, we have the opportunity to be with God. And I've mentioned this previous podcast, but when you look at how God views sin and how we view sin, let's count it blessings that we serve God and not man. You know, you don't have to look far. Go on social media and... Look on there for five minutes on your newsfeed and I guarantee you you will have an appreciation that we serve God who's far above our wisdom and our thinking and our very being and not man because if we serve man, no one will be saved because we would never be good enough for man. And but through Christ we can be good enough for the Father. That's amazing, isn't it? So regardless of your past, if you are willing to uh if You know, if you're willing to repent of your sins, you believe what scripture says about sin, about how to be saved from that sin and wanting to come to Christ and confessing that that the sweetest name that we can ever utter out of our mouths and believing that Jesus Christ is indeed the son of God, being baptized for the remission of our sins. as we see in Acts 2 and verse 38, receiving the grace and the mercy of God. That's the beauty of God. Regardless of your past, we have the opportunity to be pleasing to him and to love him. And he loves us regardless. So again, thank you all for tuning in to episode 10 of this podcast. I pray that you all have enjoyed this podcast and learned quite a bit from it. And I know I've uh, been good at getting some uh Getting us uh, a refresher on this, but tune in next Tuesday. We're gonna be um, got three more episodes left for this season, and then we'll be on a two-week hiatus. I know I said one, but it's gonna be two-week hiatus. So again, thank you for tuning in. Tune in next week. Like the Facebook page. Share the podcast. Uh, God bless, and to God be the glory. For you, Same.